Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Well, guys, here we are. It's week five of the 1010 Life series. It's been a, a really great series. I love, I love how we do. We typically just preach through the Bible, through a book, a book of the Bible. But then occasionally we you you bring in these series where it's you don't you don't you don't know what to expect when you show up. It's like a different attribute of God or a different focus for every week. So I've loved that. Um, I've heard before, Pastor Joby, that if you can't give your sermon in one sentence, then you're not ready. So give us the one sentence of the sermon for week five. Be rich towards God. Mm. And in that, you will take hold of that which is truly life. Mm. Amen. All right, so... Way to put me on the spot, bro. I'm, I'm, <laughs> be ready in season and out of season. That's what I've heard. All right, so uh, I think you talk about this, but being rich in our context is different than his context. And the Apostle Paul's writing about, hey, to the rich in this present age, and that, that word being rich, we'll get into that a little bit. But most people listening, even right now, don't feel rich even though they are. So explain why. Yeah, the problem is, is that rich is not a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I don't know where you want to draw the line. So rich is a comparative term, uh-huh. right? In the Bible, when it says rich, it means more than enough. Yeah. Uh, so the illustration I use is if, you, if your annual household income, that means all the people working in your home added together equals $35,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners on the planet. So if you made the top 1% score on the SAT and somebody said, you're smart, you'd be like, no, I'm not smart. You'd be like, okay, yeah, that's right. If you were, I think if you're six, if you're over six foot eight, you're in the top 1% of tallest people in America. Mm -hmm. No six foot eight guy is like, I'm not tall. I don't feel tall. Mm -hmm. I'm in the NBA and everybody's taller than me, so I'm not tall. Mm -hmm. Be like, no, you're dumb. But you're tall. So... If you have the ability to listen to a podcast, you're rich. Mm-hmm. Rich people have rich people problems. Mm-hmm. This is some of the stuff I was making fun of. All, almost all of those things, I was making fun of my house. Uh-huh. We had a full conversation in my house, which was, if we don't use this, this gift card to a restaurant, it's going to expire. And we're like, where is it? We're like, man, we just ate there. Why didn't we use the card? We were complaining. Mm-hmm. Or if you've ever said this, how about this? We've done, I don't want to use my Bible. This menu's too big. <laughs> right. Rich people say that. I don't like Cheesecake Factory. He says, this menu's too big. Too many options. What humans in the history of humanity's pro- – these are rich people problems. Poor people don't have these problems, okay? Yeah. If you ever – here's one that we will all experience very soon. I need to buy you something that you don't need because it's just what I have to do because you're going to buy me something that I don't need, mm-hmm. and that aggravates me. <laughs> man, that's rich. Yeah. So that's all of us, man. That was so funny. Uh we like to cook. I like to cook. And uh, my wife and I were talking about some friends are coming over. And like, what should we make? You know, I was going through the things. You know, should we fillet or should we, go, should we do fingerling potatoes? And like, oh, this is like, no. And she's like, no. You know, that's, I'm bored of that. You know, and I'm just kind of like, I yeah, thought of that. That's <laughs> a rich that people kind of Exactly. Exactly. Or um, like if you match your shoes with any other part of your outfit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what rich people do. So. I just I try to make do silly stuff just to let us know historically and globally. The, Paul through Timothy is talking to us, mm-hmm. so yeah. 
Paul's talking to Timothy and he's like, all right, dude, I think the theme of first and second Timothy is God has not given you a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. If you see those, these two letters, it's Paul preparing young Timothy to pastor to the church at Ephesus. Mm -hmm. And then, and then he gives him all these things to be afraid of. He really mm -hmm. does. So he doesn't grow up with a dad. He's not mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's young. He maybe he gets nervous when he speaks. That's the whole like, take a little wine with your stomach. Gives him 14 examples of physical abuse that he may go through if he follows mm -hmm. in Paul's footsteps. That's a lot. And then, and then one thing, a lot of preachers, you asked this last week, a lot of preachers get nervous when you talk to rich people. Mm. And Paul says, all right, you're going to talk to two groups of people, people that want to be rich and people that are rich. Mm. And I... I command you, when you speak to these groups of people, here's what you need to be focused on. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that we're talking so much about finances. You know, this, this two-year journey is not just about finances, but there's a lot of financial components. And fear, fear comes up a lot. And, then, and the ability to be bold and to act in generosity and to act in obedience to God is the, is the opposite of that fear, you know? And, and uh, you talked about how when you have, the more stuff you have, the more worried you are about it. You know, and that oh. you get you get fearful if if you got that big number in the, in the bank, you're just worried that it's going to shrink. Or yeah, and I talked about. Um, I was making fun of me about um, don't be haughty. You know, like even if you got a lot of money, you better not act like look what I did. And the example I'd used was driving Petey's Porsche. Yeah. Petey used to have this Porsche Turbo, dude. It was unbelievable. And he would be like, drive it whenever you want. But I was scared, too. It cost more than my first house, dude. I, would, I was terrified to drive it. Okay, but when I would drive my regular car, I didn't care where I parked. I just parked. Mm -hmm. When I drove his thing, I would have to, like, get an Uber from where I had to park because I couldn't get any, right. you know. Right. Uh, yeah, and then it was obvious when I went to the gas station it wasn't my car because I couldn't figure out where the gas tank was one time, mm -hmm. so I just left. And then <laughs> the most embarrassing thing I mentioned, I used to live in the woods, and I was pulling into the neighborhood, and they have a gate guard. And normal people roll the window down over here, but in a Porsche, you roll it down over here, and I didn't know. And I had to open the door and be like, it's not my car. And he was like, you think? <laughs> you ever get in a real car and you can't figure out how to crank it? Oh, my gosh. We were in a not Tesla. Not even like a nice one, but just a different one? And you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put this thing in I reverse. just did the Tesla thing? I can't do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, who, didn't you call somebody? At like I had to call Jay Owen on our staff because I knew he had one. I was like, dude, what do you do? And then what's funny is we thought it was on. Trey Brunson was with me. He don't know nothing except Bible stuff. And he's like, I think it's still on. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I think I hear it. And so then he goes, and Brunson puts his ear <laughs> on the hood. I'm like, it doesn't have an engine, dude. Right. That's the whole point. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a remote control car. It's just, you're going to have to lay under it or something. Yeah. We were so... Oh, it was so goofy. I walked by a Tesla before, and then all of a sudden, it just started making weird noises. There's oh. nobody in there. I'm just like, is this thing about to start following me right now? But what's funny? It's like Night Rider. I've never been in one. I'm holding out. I don't really have a point to this, but what's funny is I text my kids, and I was like, "Daddy got a Tesla," and they were like, "Whoa!" It's one of the few times they thought it was cool, uh -huh. and I was like, "I think it's terrible. It's not nearly as good as my truck." And they were like, "What?" Which comes down like. The stuff of this world, right. a lot of it just has to do with your perspective too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I don't like it at all. I didn't like it well, at all. Everybody thinks the electric cars are going to save the planet. They're actually worse for the planet, but oh, it's yeah, fine. Let's talk about that for a while. <laughs> or not. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the things that's in this passage that I love is the, the line, God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Mm. All right? So... Uh, I know some people, and sometimes I feel this way. Uh, 
struggling to enjoy the good things that God God gives. You know, sometimes you might feel guilty or you might think, I better not enjoy it because if I lose it, then I'll feel less attached to it, which is a very twisted form of stoicism, I think. And um, so do you have do you guys have a hard time enjoying the good gifts or uh, remembering that they're all from him and like not just not terminating on those gifts? What do you think? You're shaking your head. He and I are, he and I are gonna answer this differently for sure. You go ahead. It Not is, it is your, at, it is deep and with Pastor W. Martin after all. So you go first. <laughs> Resounding no. I have no problem enjoying the good gifts of God. I have lots of other areas that I struggle to fully embrace the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is the common a common conversation I have with staff members is this. Why do you have such a hard time receiving God's goodness mm. in the way he wants to give it to you? Mm-hmm. What part of the gospel are you not embracing mm-hmm. there? Do you think he's a bad dad mm-hmm. or a good dad? So now obviously you can take that too far, but but there's a lot. And it seems to me, the people, especially people who grew up in church or their dads were in ministry or that kind of thing, they seem to have a harder time with this, being like, wow, this is a good gift from God. Mm-hmm. Where I struggle is I have this tendency to think that God is just waiting, like he's, it's a setup. Yeah. Like there's just goodness, 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 and then one day he's going to pull the rug out from under me because mm-hmm. what, what a great gospel story that would make for this church mm-hmm. if he just took it all away, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the gospel either. Mm-hmm. Now, he disciplines me. He loves me. I'm going to worship him regardless of the circumstances. Right. But for me to like just be waiting – Mm-hmm. Is that that's not a good dad? A good dad doesn't just set his kids up to fail, yeah. just to do it. I find that to be very self-protective of me when I when I'm that way. Like I'm not going to enjoy this because I don't want to feel too much pain when it's when it's gone. And one, you don't enjoy it, and you're only you mean selfish. You're trying not to try not to be vulnerable to yourself or to God or to others. You know, and enjoy those gifts. For sure. Or, yeah. There's kind of two two sides. One is, you know, like I just not too long ago went on a, a trip with my wife and then I uh, went and met some friends for a like a like a guys trip and in both trips before I even left I was already kind of sad like mourning the fact that they were going to be over yeah and I hadn't even gone yet yeah <laughs> like what in the world is wrong with me like I, my brain is so broken and um and and then you get there and you're enjoying it or whatever. But then sometimes it's like there's some kind of legalism or or, or there's some kind of uh, you know just poor poor thinking that runs around in my mind anyway. That's like especially in regards to material things or experiences that are that are are uh, you know carnal in nature or whatever you would say a trip an experience a great meal uh, whatever. Um, sometimes I think of those things, I like keep them in check because I'm like, ah, is that a temptation? You know, is that a temptation for me just to like justify selfishness into, you know what I mean? Like, do I really need to? So sometimes, I mean, other than praying and talking to wise counsel when you're making decisions that have financial implications or you're stepping into good um, you know, 
good gifts that that could be good, what could be good gifts for you to enjoy based on God's provision in your life. Um, the first question is, are you generally wasteful by by habit, right? And so that's where I feel the most conviction. Mm-hmm. So let's take going out to eat. When we do it on purpose, I, you know, within reason, but but whatever, pick your favorite restaurant, whatever it is, man. When I, when I do it on purpose and plan it and I'm celebrating someone or mm-hmm. something, right. and you don't have to wait till somebody's birthday to go eat nice, but I just say, you know what, Gretchen, let's go, baby. Let's go, you know, I'm somewhere I got to like tuck in a shirt and make a reservation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dude, no problem. Where I feel guilty or convicted, and I think I should, is how much we waste when we go out to eat out of just laziness. Mm-hmm. You know, like we just didn't have a good plan that day, mm-hmm. and we're on the way home. We're like, well, let's just pull in here. And what's crazy is that used to be like our highest end dates. Like when we first met, we go to Chili's because that's all I could afford, right? Now I don't even know if she would go in there with me, but we just go to some place, and you're just like you don't appreciate it. That's that's what gets me. Mm-hmm. Like when we start looking through how much we spent without a plan, no purpose. There was no like, this wasn't like what a good gift God has given us to right. enjoy. We had just grown accustomed mm-hmm. to what very few people on the planet get to get to enjoy. Mm-hmm. I feel very convicted about that. Yeah. There's a lot of things like that that we unwittingly steal our own joy by unintentionally doing it. I mean, like spending time with somebody over coffee. I mean, it's not, not even that expensive, but it's so much more enriched when you do it intentionally and when you're when you're using it to connect or to to celebrate. You know, um, the thing that I thought of. You know, remember when the 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 woman brings the alabaster ointment and pours it on Jesus's feet, and Judas complains and he says oh, that could have been used for the poor, and that's kind of the spirit of <laughs> a lot of the don't waste and and oh you shouldn't go to that nice restaurant because think of what you, think of the good you could do with that hundred fifty dollars or you know what I mean it it doesn't bring me comfort to know that that was what Judas said. Correct. About that lavishness. For sure. Um, and you know what people think is lavish? It's like whatever they can't afford, like whatever's above their standard. They're right. like, that's lavish. Yeah. I just live. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard people say it. They'd be like, I can't believe somebody live in that big old house. Mm. Why, if they, should, they should sell it and give it to the poor. And I'm like, you don't care about the poor. Sell your house and give yours to the yeah. poor. They could use that one too, you that's know? Right. And they're like, well, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, think, that when you say that thing, you're on Team Judas. Right. I think a question would be not just do you have a hard time enjoying good gifts as blessings, is do you have a hard time identifying the things in your life as blessings? Hmm. Not just do you enjoy them as blessings, but do you actually see them as blessings? So I think that's a muscle that has to be trained. I don't think that – there may be some things that are intuitive that hit you, but so for instance – uh, the way my brain and body has been trained over the last probably like 14, 15 years is when I started writing sermons in the woods, there was this hobby that I enjoyed. I also like being outside. I'm reading my Bible, and I'm and God stirred me up all emotionally towards him. All that's together. Well, man, you do that 40 times a year for 14 years there's a pretty well-trained muscle. It's like a Pavlovian thing for me. I, it's almost impossible for me 
to walk into the woods, get in a stand, do the hunting thing, and not immediately be like looking for God, grateful, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that would be a good exercise for folks to... Maybe this is why the habit of saying the blessing before the meal started with the right intentions. I think it came from Jesus, took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and then handed it out. But if we didn't just like quickly say the blessings, but reoriented ourselves to be reminded, let's take this very seriously, mm-hmm. you know? So there's probably a bunch of areas that we could like exercise that faith muscle, that awareness muscle mm-hmm. to do exactly what you're saying and recognize the blessings. Yeah, there's this little book called, um, gosh, you're going to know. It's called uh, Every Moment Holy. Mm-hmm. And it's a book of prayers and liturgies. Yeah. Liturgies is a real fancy word. Written but, prayers. Uh, book of prayers. Uh, and it's got prayer, these little two sentence or three sentence prayers, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, but over like, it's got like a, like my wife has one. It's like a morning prayer that sits right above our cure egg. And it's in every time you read the prayer, you're just reminded of the whole thing that's about to happen. Mm. What a blessing it is to yeah. wake up yeah. and to Praise be able God to drink coffee, coffee yeah. unto the glory of God. Well, it's, a, it's like a prayer to, for making coffee. There's like a prayer for doing laundry. A, that's a right. A prayer for housework or house repairs or technology. Like, so, yeah. like there's prayers for everything in this book. And yeah. uh, he's got maybe two of them. I think there's two of them. Yeah, uh, well, there was volumes. that old. You know, rabbinical tradition in the Talmud that had prayers. I, I just remember in seminary, there was a specific rabbinical prayer where you thank God for all of the holes in your body. And one of them was for like a bathroom prayer. Like mm-hmm. there were particular holes. You're like, God, thanks that those work. Yeah. So, there, so that's that's to the next yeah. level right there. But That's, that's amazing pretty, you just went there. Well, that's, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a real first it's century true, thing. For sure. And it, I think the practice there is like, you, to your point, it's the choice that it's putting things in your life intentionally that train mm-hmm. your mind mm-hmm. to see even the most what seemingly are ordinary and mundane things as blessings from the from the Father and and <coughs> blessings that work in your life. Mm-hmm. And when you start to see it, the more you see it. So when you start to see it, right. the more you'll see it. Mm-hmm. And, it's and just, maybe a, like a step beyond that in the in the negative is if you pay attention to the, most of the things you complain about, if you back up far enough, they're actually answers to your prayer requests. Like you're griping about your wife. It's wild to think about. And then, but there was a day where you're like, God, please let her say yes. Mm-hmm. You're griping about your kids. And when you first got pregnant, you were like, God, please thank you, right? For sure. Your job. When you were trying to get the job, you were like, Lord, if you could give me this one. Mm-hmm. And then now, those the, the things God said yes to us in, yeah. we turn back as complaints. Yeah. It's pretty sick. Hmm. The whole uh, lavish versus, you know, uh, I don't know what the opposite is. In, in church history, there's there's been a divide over this issue. Like, like Scarcity. Yeah, scarcity versus like abundance in terms of like how you use resources. I think even now, um, traditions like uh, the Greek Orthodox Church, very ornate with uh, intricate art and paintings and gold everywhere. And then you, you think of around the time of the Reformation and the iconoclasm where they would sit, they'd get rid of all the, the paintings and the artwork and stuff like that and they would strip everything down. Um, let, let the folks listening in get a, a little bit of a picture of this value that we have called excellence without excess. Like how do, how do we as a church try to 
walk that line? Because certainly it's comparative. Like you said, somebody could look at our any of our buildings and be like, oh, it's so fancy. And then others will look at it and be like, it's a Walmart, you know, or the, the floors are concrete, you know. So how do we walk that line? Yeah, it, it it is it is very relative to where we came from, and I'm next year I'll be fifty. So I was in church world. I was raised on the mega church attractional model of mm, church, right? And it was like um, the best version of it was let's create the kind of environments where you could bring your friends and they wouldn't be bored. Mm. Okay. The shadow of that is if you can have the best show in town then you can like slip some Jesus talk in there mm-hmm. and and then some people will get saved. And um, right out of the gate, we want God to be glorified for sure. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to waste money for one thing or just do things because we had the ability to do them technologically mm-hmm. to show everybody how fancy we could be. Mm-hmm. We, we just wanted things to be doxologically excellent, mm-hmm. not not excellent in regards to, well, how did that compare to the Disney show you went to? Mm. And that's where some places had gone. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be hypercritical of how other churches do things, you know what I mean? But that led a lot to, it's the gospel that saves. It's not the lights. It's not the, you know, how tall the ceilings are. That doesn't save people. The gospel saves right. people. But we also didn't want to lose the idea all throughout church history and in creation, God's pretty lavish in creation. Yeah. I mean, why a mountain? You don't need mountains. Everybody can live on one piece of flat land. Mm-hmm. So, but God decided to be lavish, you know? But even that's relative mm-hmm. because he did create the whole universe and we just live on this one little speck. Mm-hmm. So that's where it came from, that the things that we do, we want, we want people to have a non-distracted, Christ-focused worship experience. Mm-hmm. But... If we've got extra money, we would much rather sow it into kingdom expansion mm-hmm. than than just more and more and more. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the um, I love eleven twenty. I love our our campuses and all the facilities that God's blessed us with. If you think they're nice. Then we should do some some church tours. Yeah, you you know what I mean. Like, but anyway, that's I digress. No, but that's uh, it. That, it. But I love it, and I wouldn't do relative. it any other way. But it is very relative, right? Compared to my grandma's church, uh, this thing is Six Flags over Jesus. Yeah. Compared to some, you know, hundred and fifty million dollar campuses that me and you have been to many sure. times, this thing is the dinkiest mm-hmm. thing you've ever seen. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think the. the it gets down at the root of like the decisions you make, the culture of the congregation, the 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 design of, uh, it, you know, when I'm I was meeting with a group of pastors earlier today, and we just talked about authenticity is is more important than relevance. Hmm. And if you're trying to build buildings to be relevant, or woo people with your building or with your stuff, it just I don't know, man. I don't know. But you also want to have facilities that can facilitate the ministry that God's doing in your church, right? And you want to have room for kids to be discipled and for students to be discipled and have seats for anybody that God would would draw. You know, it's certainly not a, if you build it, they will come, in my opinion. It shouldn't be that. It's very much a like, God, what are you doing here? And how do we have spaces that facilitate what you're doing here yeah. and um, and be faithful in it? And that said, like, as you're... As you're 
But what's happening inside of that, is it authentic to the scriptures? Uh, is it authentic to the expression of the local body, which is so radically diverse in its mm-hmm. expression across the world and the leaders that God has chosen to lead it? And more than importantly than anything, is it centered on God alone? Mm-hmm. Is the church about him and him doing his work and him getting his glory? And and so what the walls are painted or whatever it's, is is relevant almost if you keep the if you keep the main thing the main thing. And so I th- when I hear excellence without excess, it's like for sure we want to do a good job because God's given us gifts and talents and and He's worth it. And He's worth it. He's worth hard work. He's worth energy and effort mm-hmm. and excellence. Um, but the without excess thing is. We don't want to get wrapped around the excellence for the mm. excellence sake. We want to get we want to do we want to be authentic and do a good job because he's worth it. Mm-hmm. So and when we gather, we want it to to I don't know, man. You, you talk about revelation and it being loud and and um there's smoke know. and lights. Yeah, man, like Music. I just I, I I want to be a part of a, I want to be a part of something that reflects the kingdom, mm-hmm. from the gathering to the groups to yeah. the to the sending to the I just want it to be the kingdom mm. being expressed. You know, yeah, most of the comments I get that people that are newer here, if they're longtime believers, what I've never people don't walk in and be like, "Wow, your lobby is so impressive," or "Your nothing." From the newer people, but they've been Christians a while, I will often hear. Man, we just got started, and I sense the Spirit of God in this place. Amen. I hear that all the time. That's right. Then when I hear from people that either are brand new to their faith or they're not a Christian yet or they don't have the language or whatever, they'll say something something to the effect of, you know, I've, I've been a lot of places, but there was just something here. I cried or I couldn't mm-hmm. stop paying attention. What they're saying is the same thing the first group said. They just don't have the language for it. Mm-hmm. John Tyson is he says the spirit shows up where he's wanted. Come Lord Jesus. Every all the decisions we make are so that that encounter can happen. Mm-hmm. That we want as our people gather to worship God that this is an invitation for the spirit to manifest himself the way he would please and mm-hmm. we would be pleased that he would. Mm-hmm. I love that I love that the phrase the facilities that we have are to facilitate the ministry that we're doing. Totally. And the word, the word root is the same. And it's just a, it's a helpful reminder of that, uh, the fact that practical, it, they're practical first, you know, and we don't want them to be a distraction or a deterrent. Um, maybe this might be a side note, but one of the, one of the partners that we have, one of the things that we often push people towards in seasons like this is to get their own finances in order and not, not to be, deterred by something in their own life through debt or through, you know, foolish spending. So Financial Peace University, and that's been a part of your story too. Um, What do you think is at stake for the the person who's who's bound by bad choices uh, in their personal finances from being able to enjoy some of these? Well, the Bible says the rich rule over the poor and the debtor is slave to the lender. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll tell people that, but like, well, you're a slave. And they're like, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cool, then take your whole next paycheck and give the whole thing away. But like, I can't do that. Right, because you're a slave. You, you have made the decisions that you can't make decisions this month. Right. And so if the shepherd were to tell you to be radically generous in an area of your you can't. Mm. You can't. 
because the, the wolf has got his teeth in you and you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you got to do some work before you ever get to get to the obedience part of radical generosity. I mean, yeah. you got to position yourself in such a way that there is margin there and freedom there that you can say, all right, Lord, it's all yours, and I'm not bound up by a bunch of debt, and I, di- you know, I didn't get in, no- in debt overnight. I might not be able to get out of it over- overnight, but I'm going to work really, really hard so that I'm going to bring my first and my best all the time. But we get into these kind of initiatives, and the Spirit might speak to you, and you do something that you never could have done 10 years ago, but now you can because you're making mm-hmm. different decisions. Well, mm-hmm. if you would like to be that kind of generous person, why don't you get on the train that takes you to the place where you at least would have the ability to say yes one day? Mm-hmm. That's what Financial Peace University is. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. There's a real lesson there for for more than just money, I think. Oh, um, like sometimes we think, well, I don't ever get opportunities to do X, Y, and Z. One of them might be generosity. But there's plenty of opportunities if we if we've done some pre work first to be ready for the kind of thing that we're hoping God will let us do. Like think about study. You know, if if it's like, man, I'm just I don't get a chance to share the Bible with anybody. Well, if I've done my pre work of getting to know it and reading it and studying it, then when I do get that opportunity, I'm ready. Or or prayer is kind of the same way. You know, it's like you live that life pre and sometimes we just sit around just waiting for it, you know? Well the fallacy is this. People say, Well, if I had more money, I'd be generous. Yeah. Okay. So let's flip it around. If you were God, would you give you more money? Mm-hmm. Based on what you think his principles and values are mm-hmm. and what you have been spending your money on, do you think if you were him, would you trust you with more money mm-hmm. based on what you've been doing now? Because it seems like what you're doing with money and what he wants to do with money are not the same thing. Yeah. So why in the world would he entrust you with more if you think he's just going to spend it more on you? Right. The small, what you're doing with what you have now is an indicator of what you would do if you had more. Have you ever heard this story? I forget what book it is. <clears throat> There's a story of this, it's a business book. And the guy is interviewing somebody for a new CEO or something, the hiring board maybe of a company for a CEO. And they go down to the, like, it's one of those buildings that had a cafeteria. And they go down to the cafeteria to have lunch. And he notices, like, the, the interview's going great. And I was like, oh, this guy, he's the guy, he's the one. And they're going through the thing, and then he notices that the guy takes the little packet of butter and, like, slides it underneath the napkin on his plate. And that thing costs, like, 20 cents or something like that that would be added to his bill. And so he was polite, had the lunch, went back and said, we're not hiring that guy. Because, yeah. it, and that's a very biblical principle, right? Yeah. The thing that you did with that small amount, he said, if he's, if he's willing to cheat for a 20-cent pat of butter for his lunch, then what else is he willing to cheat for? And what you do with something small is what you're going to do with something greater. Pastor Britt, how does money reveal what's really in your heart? How does what you do with what you have reveal what's in your heart? I mean, that's the whole thing we've been in, right? Mm -hmm. Is that Jesus says your heart follows your money. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't just reveal what's in your heart. It it actually sets the the direction that your heart is going to go in. Mm -hmm. And ultimately... Where we spend our money, what we prioritize in our time, tells us a lot about the condition of our soul. There's no question about it. And so it is revealing in the sense that it, uh, our habits reveal what we love. 
Mm-hmm. Our, our behaviors out us every time. Mm-hmm. And so we can say whatever we want about what we believe, mm-hmm. but our behaviors actually are what reveal what we truly love mm-hmm. and and what we really, really believe. And so, um, so I think that's it. I mean, it's just... You talking about what's what's uh, what's at risk for Christians who don't manage their finances well? Or I think one of the things that's at risk is that if you have a regular habitual practice of poor financial management, your heart's joy in Jesus is at risk. That's a fact. Mm. And and if and not just your joy in Jesus, like your joy in Jesus, which is the joy from which you can experience life. So joy is at risk. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, choices are are at risk, and and so I think the it really reveals down to your behaviors, your spending, your planning, your calendar. It really gets down to the mm. to the question: what's at the center? Yeah. And what's at the center? And I heard a a, a working definition of of sin the other day, which was, um, or maybe I read it. the The definition of sin was the Insatiable appetite and ability to make everything about you. Hmm. That that is what it means to live in a sinful world or to be born sinful mm-hmm. is that you are born with the insatiable appetite and ability mm-hmm. to make everything about yourself. Mm-hmm. And money is a great place to look into. Is this really all about me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, or is there something else at the center? Um, and so, yeah. Um, one of the things I said is that like money is a means to an end, the end being to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And so money is given to us in order to glorify God. One way is bringing first and best as worship mm-hmm. by sowing into his kingdom. Yeah. There's one way. Another way is by blessing other people. Another way is celebrating his grace. Mm-hmm. That's what a good dinner ought to be, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You flip that on your definition, and it's like, no, 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 no. I'm using this to glorify me. Right. By sowing into me, by blessing me, by controlling others. Yeah. That'll, and you cannot, here's what you can't enjoy. If he gave you everything to enjoy, you can't enjoy it if you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. You can't, man. You enjoy it for a little while, they'll repo it. <laughs> That's right. Or, you know what I mean? Or you got to work so hard mm-hmm. to afford the house. You can never actually afford the house because mm-hmm. you can't enjoy the house because you're always at work trying to afford the house because your house poor, you know, those kind of decisions, sure. stuff like that. You can't enjoy it. And you can't enjoy it if it ain't yours. If you're robbing God so you can get you some more stuff, mm-hmm. you can be tricked, lured, enticed is what he says mm-hmm. for a little while, mm-hmm. but it will not lead to life that is truly life. Mm-hmm. I mean, see every VH1 behind the music, about 100 million movies, Scrooge, watch that one. Seriously, like we all lean into those movies and don't realize we're like the lead character in that same plot, but it is our life. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Have you ever heard that, you know, I I forget where I heard this, but it's like... People have said money changes people or or power changes people. And it's kind of like, no, it just reveals what was already there, you know, kind of like what you were saying. If you're done with money and then you got a lot of it, you're just going to be done with that money that you got. Uh, yeah, see, well, I gave two examples. Um, MC Hammer, remember him? Can't Touch This. The Can't Touch This album made $33 million. 
within single digit years of that, he was bankrupt. I was probably like 250 of those dollars. <laughs> buy and lose it, buy and lose it. All right, how about this one? I, I looked this one up. Mike Tyson, between the years of 85 and 05, made $500 million and in 2013 filed bankruptcy. Mm. In that same time, from 1985 to 2005, I made $280,000. Now, I said that one time, somebody guessed. Not all at once. That was <laughs> over all of those years. It averages out about $14,000 a year. And in 2013, when he filed bankruptcy, I had exponentially more money than Mike Tyson. Now, he could beat me up, but mm. he could buy me dinner. Right. <laughs> that's right. Think about that, yeah, man. That's crazy. Oh. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> verse 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare. So, Pastor Joby, what is a snare? It's a trick. It's a trap. The way a snare works is death is on the other side of what looks like a treat. Mm -hmm. That's what a snare is. And if you see it, you won't get caught in it. Mm. That's the whole point of a snare. Yeah. It's literally like a, a, a rope, right? Like a Yes. Yeah. And the harder you pull, the tighter it chokes you. Mm. All right. I don't preach. Yeah. Uh, how there's do you... an old, there's an old, uh, this is an old preacher story about the, um, it really goes to illustrate the insatiable appetites of, of sin, but I'm probably going to mess this up. And, and if so, somebody can email Pastor Joby about it, but there's a, um, the way Eskimos used to trap wolves. You've heard this is that they would take a knife and they would put blood on the end of it. Oh, oh yeah. And then they would this. dip it in the ice, and it would freeze. Mm -hmm. And they would freeze blood all around the edge of a knife. And then they would just stick that knife <coughs> blade up in the ice. Mm -hmm. And the Arctic wolves would come and start licking that ice, and it tastes like blood. And they, they don't stop licking it until they bleed to death from having licked the blade because they can't tell the difference. Does that make sense? It numbs their tongue. It numbs, it numbs their tongue. Yeah. And so, and so they, they end up killing themselves so they don't even have to hunt them yeah. because they've now tricked them. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Another and, good and snare so money that, story is the old, like, in, in Africa, the way they would catch primates. They would uh, put out, like, salt blocks, eat a bunch of salt, then they would, they would put like a treat inside of a hole. Dig out a hole, and the, the little entry for your hand, you had to do your hand like this, and it would fit through it, you know, make your hand skinny, and it would be about the size of your wrist. And then they would grab on to the thing that they wanted, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let go. Yeah. And all they had to do was let go, and they could run away. And they were so afraid, and then you just walk up and club them on the head. Mm -hmm. And you think, what a dumb animal. Right. And then you look at your credit card statements. Yeah. And you about to get conked on the head, man, or lick the blade. Yeah, some things that I've some just some questions that I I mean I don't ask these every day, but I kind of have worked through in my own life, you know, and have lead me to made had let have led me to make different choices. It's like one, it's like evaluating every now and then where do you go for comfort? You know what I mean? Like you're feeling lonely, you're feeling a little stressed, you're feeling a little what's what do you where do you go to? You know, do you try to go brainless? Do you try to go, you know, isolated? You know, a lot of times what happens is you just like run to an app on your phone yeah. to buy some stuff. Shop. Mm. 
You just, and what you're trying to, your brain's trying to do is just to get those dopamine hits of control. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if I can find something that I can afford and buy and I can click it, then I'm in control of that. Mm-hmm. And it somehow it sets off these, all these triggers in your brain. And so stopping and pausing and thinking, where do I go for comfort? And what, are, what have become habits unintentionally in my life? in order to comfort me or to give me a sense of control, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately are leading you away from the fact that Jesus is in control. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then um, in the same way, what do you trust for security? You know, mm-hmm. and if you're constantly looking at numbers in the in the market, I'm not saying be stupid, but if it's like, Many, many, many times a day you're checking bank account numbers and you're checking, and it's not your job to do so, mm-hmm. um, then you should probably think about how you're practicing faithfulness in, in specifically in the area of finances. Yeah, the problem is where you – so what you're saying is another word for the, another way to say what Paul's saying when he says, nor – so he says, as for the rich in this present age, not to be haughty. That's what I was talking about earlier. Don't think you're awesome nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, mm-hmm. to look for security or satisfaction in riches is to set your hope there. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not like shopping in and of itself, right? right? It's not what's the market doing because I want to be wise with my investments for all the right reasons, mm-hmm. but it's when my hope is put there. Mm-hmm. And the way you can know if your hope is put there is what happens when it does, like when the new thing you bought broke, right. or when your investment goes south, if there is a hopelessness there, if that kind of emotion is tied to it, mm. you probably better grab your hope back and put it in the one who richly blesses. So, if wh- it was taking away from you, would it cause irreparable anxiety? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something to think about. Oh, man. Did my TV broke uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, the lightning strike or something? And it was coming up on Saturday, go dogs. And I was getting, I was just like, I was like, I was antsy. I was like, I'm going to go to Walmart right now and buy me a TV. And you only have like nine other versions of screens. That's right. That's right. Oh, I couldn't house. possibly do this all day, you know, yeah. and watch it on the tiny screen. Did you get a big one? I sure did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're so cheap hey, now. It's they Walmart, are, right? They're so they are. cheap. They're very cheap. Uh, so you, one of the things you said, you know, when, when we want comfort, it's really, it's true. We go to things that make us feel more in control. But when you think, like, when you think comfort, you think sadness, and and you want something to comfort you. And so, what does control have to do with it? Like, why would you think control can make you feel not sad or not tired? But here's what's weird, though. I, I agree with you one thousand percent. Until it comes to like, um, say something's going with your kid. You go to Jesus, man. Mm. You don't cry out the money. You don't cry out the Amazon. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. You know, listen, something happens to your wife. Something happens to somebody that you love. You for sh- I, We all for sure need to pay attention to where we go when, like, the normal things of life mm-hmm. bump up against us. And Because I do. I can do that quick, like a Kuyu just had the biggest sale ever, you know? And I was like, ooh, oh, I don't right. need one thing from there. But especially the way the world's wired today, you you get that hit multiple times when you buy it. And then when you and then it shows up at your house. It's like Santa Claus all over again, you know? Yeah, sure. But but something's happening with your kids, something's happening with a loved one, there's like a medical condition, mm-hmm. something like that, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. ice cream or Amazon ain't it. No. You are at that altar. Right. Like, Lord Jesus, I need your help. Yeah. 
just shows you how how self focused we can get. You know how superficial our our worries often are. It's all about just how we feel and trying to make us ourselves feel better. Um, so the, this word uh, in verse ten for the love of money is through this this craving. Okay, and and you know when you talk about this, he's like, yeah, it's okay to want stuff. We all want we all want stuff. You know, I want a TV. I don't think it was maybe, maybe it wasn't a bad thing to get one. So how do you know? Like. How do you know that your want is not a craving, that you haven't crossed the line? Like, where's the point where you cross the line into craving from, oh, I'd like to have some new stuff, or I'd like to have a new this and that, or I'd like to have nice this and that? How do you know where the line is? When, like, the normal responsible amount is not enough. Because, like, a craving, I mean, it's an appetite term. Mm-hmm. Appetite has a very limited vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Now and more. Is right. all an appetite says. Mm-hmm. All right. With like a normal appetite, though, is like you eat some food and then it appeases that appetite mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm good. A craving is like, that's not enough. Yeah. That's like when you eat the whole gallon of ice cream. Mm-hmm. That would be a TV breaks and you think, I'm going to go get a TV. And you go get a TV and you set it up and you're like, that's awesome. I'm going to get one from my office. I'm going to get one from a car. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get one for every room in my house. Mm-hmm. That's what can begin to happen. Mm-hmm. And that that's what the shopping thing will do for you, and that is what the investment thing will do for you. Mm-hmm. You begin to – what you're craving is not investing so that, like, I'm taking care of my family for the future. What you're actually chasing is that buzz you got when you mm-hmm. – when it was a green instead of a red that day. Right. You know, that that's the deeper craving. Yeah. That requires a level of self-awareness about what's going on in your heart. Like what, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. Like what's the thing beneath the thing? Like what's underneath? Like you can you can watch your activities and the, the activity that you engage in might not mean the same as it means for me because of what's going on underneath it. So Jesus is the answer to all this for sure. Mm-hmm. But a great practical tool to help financially is a budget. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because then you just go like, all right, Britt loves to play golf. Cool, man. I hope he does play a lot of golf or just the right amount, whatever that is. So your budget can help you decide Mm. what is like you have budgeted time and money and you're saying this should be enough. Well, if you still got two more weeks in your month, you're like, I got to have more and more Mm. and more. That's that's probably something to be looked at. Or if you're like kids, you're going to have to eat at you're going to have to eat from White Castle tonight because Dad's going to go play some more golf. It's like, nope. White Castle? White Castle, though. Man, we're just we're going for all of it tonight. The um, Guilty pleasure, maybe? I don't talk, what's, what's, you like White what, Castle? No. Well, back in the day. Back in college, back I did eat some Crystal. Crystal. It's kind of the same thing, right? The minis. I, I used to eat some Crystal. The... Um, yeah, I mean, slow down. To the answer to your question, mm-hmm. it's like self-control is ultimately mm-hmm. the, the remedy. Right. And the Spirit has given that to us. Yeah. So it's like, but whether you set you set a number or you grow self-aware in your impulses, mm-hmm. you don't put yourself in an environment to like impulse purchase or impulse mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but self-control is the answer. It's just like if you feel the need to do something – just slow down. Mm. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Wait. And if in a week you still want to do it mm-hmm. or you still think it's a good idea, 
maybe in that week talk to some talk to somebody you trust, ask mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it's like you, th- Pastor Brady, you saying that I should talk to somebody about buying a TV? I I don't know. Maybe, mm-hmm. but that's I, that's about it's all about your motivations <clears throat> and your headspace and your practices in life. Like you replacing a TV that got struck by lightning to put in a room whereby your family can gather around and cheer for the dogs, and then no problem, right? But um, so it falls into a cat, you know. But you work through a process right. of self control to come to those to those conclusions. And so, we don't, in my house, we don't make any significant financial decisions without elder input. Right. Everybody doesn't get to have a board of elders, but anybody can set up two or three people in their life to yeah. say, "Hey, listen, we're thinking about buying a car. We're thinking about, you know, a biggest vacation we've ever done. Do you think we should do it? You know, mm-hmm. that all of those decisions. Mm. And the reason I do it is because there have been so many people in in a position like mine where they have been taken out, just like mm-hmm. he says. Like right, they love right. money, yeah. and they were taken out. They mm-hmm. were, And they didn't have that source of accountability. I mean, Proverbs says, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? And that's just, that feels great when, you, when you, you feel so much better about a decision that you're making if it's not just you're making it in isolation. The other thing I found to have in your disciple group is like, you know, what purchases are you currently working through in your life or in your marriage right now? And then just have that discussion and say it out loud. Yeah. And sometimes when you say something out loud, it doesn't sound as like sweet as as it did in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you're just like, I spend a lot of time thinking about that thing and now that I've said it out loud... I don't know that it was worth all that that time and energy, but sometimes like Gretchen and I just set some kind of arbitrary boundaries. We really For do. Sure. Like we're doing a thing and uh and we could afford to do the next thing, but we have just decided we're not doing the next thing until the first thing is completely paid off. Mm-hmm. You know? It's kind of arbitrary. It just seems right to me. It seems like a like it just seems like the mature thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's to, not just a money thing, that's also a time thing. Yeah, for sure. You know? My wife and I, we've been talking a lot about irreducible minimums. Like, like let's just set some boundaries on ourselves in regards to, to again, and you have to kind of do this season by season by oh, season sure. of Especially life. Kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, from a time perspective and from a money perspective and straight up for the 1010 life, like if we're going to say yes to the good shepherd and what we feel like he's leading us to do, that means there's some other things that aren't going to happen or or that, we're going to have to modify and set ba- – that is a boundary that we're setting mm-hmm. on other yeses that we might want to say in other directions, and but we're just choosing the better yes, mm-hmm. um, trusting that he 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 is better. Mm-hmm. And, and no, I don't trust I I trust it, and I know it. He's mm-hmm. proven it to me over and over again. And so I think having those conversations regularly are super healthy and helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed when it comes to money, the number of people that have no idea – where their money's going, like percentage-wise. So, because here's what typically happens. All right, man, when you're, if you're barely making it, you have to count every dime because if you mess up a little bit, the lights might get turned off, okay? Then if you get to a point where there is, there feels like there's some margin in your life, you can get sloppy there really quick. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you don't know where it's going, how in the world can you assess if you're actually generous? Mm. Because you probably got an idea in your mind, like, all right, if I was g- generous, people would do this with their money. Mm-hmm. But then you, f- here's what's crazy, man. Most people are rich, but they don't feel like it. 
and they're not generous, but they feel like they're generous. Mm -hmm. The average American Christian gives less than 2% to any and all charities. Mm. And the Bible doesn't even... It's talking about gospel giving like we talked about, not just good giving. Mm. And so how are you going to do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share if you don't even know where it's going? Mm. So, how do you know if you're generous? I think it's... Um, Here's what I think. Uh, Luke, is it Luke that talks about um, <clears throat> that that as we give, we will receive, and when we do, it will be given, pressed down, and overflowing, mm-hmm. all right? So that's like a harvest term. The way they would pay day laborers is like you would harvest these baskets of wheat, but the last basket of the week, you got to take it home. So what they would do is when it was their turn to take home their basket, they would stack it, press it, shake it, press it again until it was overflowing so they got as much as they could. Mm. Okay. And to the same measure you give, that's what God's going to restore to you. Mm-hmm. So you got that That's that image. And then the other image I think is like a bag of Doritos. Doritos decides what's the bare minimum of chips we can put in there to still count as a bag. It's like three and one-half Dorito, right? It's mostly air. Okay. The person that is figuring out their commitment card, and it's like, all right, what's the bare minimum we can do? You got a Dorito theology of giving. That is not generous. The press down, I'm trying to fit as much in here as I absolutely can to bring to the Lord, trusting that that's how he's going to respond to me. That's generosity. Mm. So again, it might be, it might be a half a penny. Isn't that what the two widows might equal? Something like that. Mm -hmm. It might be half a penny or it might be you got to sell everything you have and give it away. So the, the actual number is pretty relative. But bro, the baseline teaching kindergarten level of the old covenant is, 10%. Ten percent, mm-hmm. and Hebrews says we have a new and better covenant. So shouldn't we be above and beyond what the baseline of the old was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, the empirical data is how you know if you're Same generous. One. Like, it's I don't know that it's like a really uh, like an ethereal out there mystery. In regards to if you're financially generous, ask this question: Am I financially generous? Look at your spending. Yeah. The empirical data will tell you every time. Mm-hmm. Are you generous? And you say, "Well, percentage," and I don't. Know. Are you generous? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with like being a servant. It's like, you know, I'm a servant. Okay, but does the empirical data actually show that you serve right. <laughs> anyone anywhere mm-hmm. other than yourself? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you could look at that in your family dynamic or through your local church or, you know, it's like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a disciple maker. To, okay, just look at the empirical data. Mm-hmm. Who just are you discipling? Right. Who are you teaching to obey Jesus and all that he commanded? Mm-hmm. And... and um, and so I think so many, so many times we can think of these questions as though they're like big, lofty, hard questions to answer, but they're really not. Like just sit down, take inventory, 
in, in, in regards to faithfulness and wanting to be faithful in these mm-hmm. areas and say, am I actually doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and so we had this discussion during the One Initiative at home. And my, I think the Bible talks about three levels of, we'll call it generosity. There's tithes. That's like the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. There's offerings and gifts. Talks about these in three different... And me and Gretchen were like, we want to be, yes. So an empirical decision that we made is if you look at our monthly budget, the biggest number goes to the Church of 1122. Mm-hmm. First, that, first and best. And most. Means most. That's what we to decided. Us, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we... we I, I just don't know what to call it. We don't spend whatever it is. The largest and number. Don't you think that you've had a long series of of growth and maturity in this area, as you've testified many times, us too, sure. where now you're in a position because of God's faithfulness and your personal practices of self control, where you can make that choice. It's not necessarily an easy choice, but you can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and do what He says. Well, one of the decisions that makes the decisions is. We'll call it four or five years ago. I didn't decide to buy another house three times as expensive as the house I'm in now just because we could afford it. Because mm-hmm. that's not our highest and best priority. Mm-hmm. I'd rather. T- Do you know how much? You know what kind of house I could buy if I took all of that and just went into a house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which also gives me this freedom because I can look at a house and be like, "Yeah, hey, I could buy that house. I don't want to buy the house. I'd rather live in this house." Mm-hmm. And I love my house, and I love my neighbors, and I love the whole blessing of my street, mm. and I love how close it is to the church and close it is to school. I love it all. I love my birdhouses in my backyard. Mm. <clears throat> I Literally. And and I got money to go waste on birdhouses if I want to because I want to make my quiet times better. So I can. Mm. But we do that. And then on top of that is our seven compassion kids, and we have a couple missionary friends that we sponsor. They're all my youth group kids. You can't raise a youth group and raise up missionaries and then go to the mission field and it not cost you. Mm-hmm. I support every one of them son of a guns, man, mm-hmm. and preach it. And I'm like, <laughs> to the glory God. And they're way more expensive than a compassion kid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feed, educate, bring the gospel for $38 a month. Why well, I got to give you 200 <laughs> So, So then we do that. And then on top of that, then we keep our eyes open for gifts. You know, like Gretchen met, I don't, she met this girl. It's having a baby. It's everything's jacked up in her life. And so... Guess who's funding the baby showers, man? And so I, the reason, so we can look at that and go, I think this is generous. Because the bare minimum would be to take my salary here, do 10%, and that's it. Mm-hmm. The, what we've been working towards is by the same measure we give, I mean, Corinthians says, you know, like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna reap what we sow. So I don't want God just to bless the 10%. I want him to bless all of it. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to leverage it all. We're trying to make all of our decisions that way. Do you tell people, like, <coughs> so there's, what you're saying is that there's lots of different ways to be generous. For sure. And let's say somebody's in a stage where they're, they're living on a tighter budget. And would you say, hey, the 10% needs to go to the church and then above and beyond to the gifts that you, or whatever? Or could somebody say... Well, this month my ten percent is going to go to support that family in need. Over, like, what, what now, would you say to that person? Who's asking that question. Would just be obedient to tithe. To, if they would bring the the full tithe to the storehouse, there literally would be no more needs. Mm. There just would not be. Mm. The not key, just no more needs for the church. There would be no more needs. 
every person would be fed, everything would be taken care of if yeah. Christians tithe. Mm. <coughs> the biggest, <coughs> excuse me, the biggest problem is what would we do with all that money? I mean, we'd be like, what? It would. Mm. Um, the 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 re one of the biggest reasons I would say that the Bible teaches that you bring it. So the New Testament they laid it at the apostles' feet. Right. Is because um, there is still a quite a bit of control you have when you do charitable giving. Mm. You go to the banquets, you bid on the stuff, you write, the, you know, whatever it is. You're like, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I want to do something about that. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of control there. Right. It takes a lot of, I mean, you just surrender. I know I work here and I'm the lead pastor, but there's a, but I don't have the all the say into all the partners that we have and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I am just saying, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. Mm-hmm. Just I'm bringing this to you because mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that you are the Lord of the harvest and you are going to send it where it goes. And then we got really smart people doing really good work to make sure we're partnering with all the right folks and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't ever get into the percentage conversation, not because it's not in the Bible, because it's certainly a tie that's certainly laid out. <clears throat> um. If you really do the Old Testament work, is it 10? Is it 27? Yeah, this is, is it 33? It's in the 20s yeah. for sure. If you want to go just straight on percentage rooted in mm-hmm. what historically has been taught as tithe. Um, I th- and so, but what I, normally when I hear that kind of question and have those kind of conversations, what, I, what I'm hearing is I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to honor God in my finances. How do I do that? Okay, cool. Let's have that conversation. Like what does faithfulness look like? And let's just look at it holistically and talk about it um, and together. And so most of the time, the the question really is for me, it starts at a motivational level is, are you trying to figure out how to like dutifully oblige God or is the spirit of the conversation and the spirit of the gift? Yes. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Yes, I'm with you. I'm in. Um, I trust you. And 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 then it's like, okay, how does that yes work its way out through the different categories of my life? For sure, that takes prayer and wise counsel and practicing principles certainly laid out to us in the scriptures. But if you want to say yes, then... At that point, it's just a detail of how you're going to say yes. But if you're trying to figure out how to say no by just saying, like, kind of, those are just different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, your, I'm putting this in air quotes. Your faithfulness to God with your 10%, though, is not going to somehow make God sprinkle some miracle dust on your dumb decisions of the 90% towards the world. For sure. Like— Gretchen and I have been on a journey for a long time making a lot of financial decisions to hopefully lead us into a place where we have more margin to even be more generous. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't just be making the same dumb decisions that landed us in $24,000 of credit card debt back in the day, give God 10%, and then as if we've got him trapped into some kind of like Bible verse loophole that mm-hmm. he got stuck in, and now he owes me get out of debt free. That's not how it works, man. That's why he's Lord of it all. That's why I said God gave us money to glorify him through bringing our first and best by sowing into his kingdom, by blessing other people, and by celebrating his grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
I'd, I'd say this. I, we're, I don't know how close we are getting to wrap her, wrapping her up, but it feels like we're getting close to landing the plane here. There's one the one one side of this conversation is like helping people think rightly and encouraging people to think rightly and and working through faithfulness. I will say this here at our church, it's not like people are knocking on the like eleven twenty two is like people who God has gifted each other to as a part of this expression of the local church. Bro, this church is so full of some of the most wildly generous people. For sure. That you've ever met in your entire life. And that certainly is true of finances. That's their time. They're t- like one of the things that, I can't explain all this, but one of the things that I think God does is he puts like minded and like hearted people together to accomplish his mission in that in that local context, you know, and and then grows their heart for what he's doing for him first, but also for what he's up to and what he's doing. Man, the the expression of generosity that and one of the things I love is that people here really, really, really uh whether they just subconsciously or intentionally take serious the the doing it in secret. Like there's not a lot of like like we're all in each other's lives and we open up the microphones and look at the do the camera thing to invite people in to help make disciples and think rightly. Um but there's then but there's the like, do it in secret. What you do in secret, the Father will reward in secret. And that's one of the things I love about our church is, bro, I'm not going to out anybody because I don't want to steal their like blessing. But some of the most financially generous people that I know, the amount of lives that are being changed on a national, on an international, but also on an individual level that they're involved in. They see a need. They see an opportunity to bless. They see a place to stay. And they just step in, man. Mm -hmm. They just step in over and over and over and over and over again. They're wildly financially generous with their first and best in the local church. And they're also crazy financial generous in their individual life. And it's kind of like it just like the first and best, best thing. It just helps you put your head on a swivel to see where God's at work and gives you a compass by which to join him in that work. Somehow it just like tunes your ear to the and your eye to the work of God so that you can join him in the work all around you. Mm. And that's happening all over the place. And so for anybody in our church who's listening, man, I love you and I'm thankful for you. I am so just, it is true that people, so many of my friends, so many of the folks, they're loving their neighbor as themselves very, very well. Mm. They are, man. I'm just thankful for the discipleship work that's happened here over 10 years to see generosity beget generosity in the life of the local church. And praise God for that. As people respond to him in obedience, it's good, man. So So back to that Luke passage where Jesus says, you know, to the measure that you give. Yeah. I think a part of it, a fundamental decision that we made before we ever started, uh, was that our church would tithe. Mm. That, and you're not supposed to do that when you're one week old. Everybody's like, hold on, man. You are the, you're the recipient. You, ought to, you know, like you're just getting started and you're going to need all this help and all this. I'm like, here's what we're doing. I said, one of, our, one of our codes of conduct is we are family. So if I'm teaching all these families, you bring your first and best then that's what we're going to do as a church. So we just, before we ever, we didn't know what was coming in, mm-hmm. so we just decided. First 10, it's going to other ministries, kingdom, advancement, plant churches, 
like non ministries that don't have the 1122 brand on it. Mm-hmm. It's going out of here. And that's in addition to Compassion International. See, we could do a little like financial jujitsu and count it, you know, because it's millions and millions and millions of dollars every year that doesn't even run through us. We just say, come on, man, let's mm-hmm. sponsor kids. That would be like the gifts. That'd be the mm-hmm. ties, offerings. That'd be like an offering. Mm-hmm. There's something, there's something like you just described in individual families, that same thing happened in the church. For sure. We made this first and best decision. And so God says, cool, so I'm going to bring you a bunch of generous people because mm-hmm. I can trust y'all with money. Mm. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see, very excited to see what God's going to do um, as we kick off this two years in 1010 Life. And you know, when he talks about telling those who are rich to be rich towards God and to store up life that's really life. I think that takes the vision for something we talked about earlier this year, the upside down kingdom. You yeah. know, it takes a vision to be able to see the value of the kingdom of God as being more important than all that stuff that you can do, you could do with your money here. So Pastor Joby, why don't you pray uh, for I that? I homework. Can I give one okay, assignment? Okay, sure, sure. You Since can do whatever you want. It's your, it's your podcast. <clears throat> Since we're talking about money, and I know everybody's thinking it's going to be like pony up this weekend. That's not. It's going to be the opposite. Okay. So he says, but, in first, put your hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. All right. Here's the assignment for you two and for everybody listening and watching. This week, I want you to do that thing. So, like, if you've got a family, plan it with your family. If it's buy a TV, don't just go buy a TV. Get together and be like, family, this is what we're going to do as a family. If it's a dinner, if whether it's super nice, whatever it is, if it's make a picnic, go to the beach, but try to do that thing. If you're single, you got a bunch of roommates, gather together. Everybody throw into a, a pot and go and celebrate one another. Mm-hmm. And don't let it get off focus to what it actually is, but it's a celebration of the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And and go ahead, get appetizers, get desserts, get the whole thing, you know what I mean? Dress up a little bit, whatever it is, but, but say, this is what we're going to do. In the Old Testament, man, there were commands about how to have feasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, can't, I think it's, I can't remember if it's in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, but it's like, all right, so after you've gotten all the, things that are required for the feast. The lamb has been slain, the grain has been offered, the wine has been poured out. I need to look the verse up. It says, and then take the rest and purchase whatever your soul lusteth after. Do you know this verse? Yeah. And it's like, and it talks about wine and strong drink and fatty foods. Mm-hmm. And basically that's it. It's like, bring your first and best to the Lord and continue to worship him with the rest of it by throwing a party. Mm-hmm. I love it. Enjoy. So that's your assignment. Enjoy. That's, that's some good homework. That's some homework I'd be very happy to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you pray for us, Pastor Joby, about yeah, this uh, desire to be rich and to see God uh, see God move. Father in heaven, I pray that uh, we would heed the words of your scripture, that we would not be rich the wrong way, but we would be rich your way by putting our hope in you because you never, ever change, that we would do good works, that we would be generous, we would be ready to share. And and the root of that is because you were rich towards us. 
you shared your very own son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and purchased us into your family. Mm-hmm. And so may we live lives that reflect that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.